0: Hey, hey, please join me in welcoming Scooter Braun and Schuster Tanger. I pause because I gotta say Schuster, not Suster. Um, So I wanna start off just by introducing these great gentlemen. Uh, Scooter Braun probably needs no introduction. He discovered Justin Bieber, uh, Demi Lovato, uh, Ariana Grande, several others, has gone on to do some incredible work as an investor and an entrepreneur. Um, and, and Suster, starting at Goldman Sachs, uh, went on to have a great investment career and, and both are now doing a venture capital fund that is unconventional. Uh, but the interesting thing about that is that unconventional approach has led to already some extraordinary success. They've raised now over a billion dollars in total. Their most recent fund was $500 million. Um, and I think what we'd like to talk about today is how that, unconventional approach to investing and to entrepreneurship uh, has really made a huge difference and how their philosophy, uh, also being very different, has led them to their new firm. So I want to kick it off. I'll go to, I'll go to you first, Scooter. Uh, tell me how you decided to make that first shift from talent management into investing.
1: Um, failure. Okay. Uh, I, I missed out on a deal. I was in college and I was a very big college party promoter because I didn't like being broke and the kids in my school had a credit card and my parents didn't believe in giving me a credit card so I had to figure out a way to make some money and it turns out selling fake IDs was illegal. Um, and uh, I was in Atlanta, Georgia and throwing parties for the whole city but also for Emory University and um, there was a new website called thefacebook.com. And I was like, wow, I don't need to hire this kid anymore to steal email addresses and figure out how to do mass email blasts. I can just reach people through this new website. And I contacted um, the back contact page. The, uh, this guy, some of you guys have heard of him, Mark Zuckerberg, wrote me back and he connected me. At the time, they had like nicknames, so I think it was called Master of Coin, Eduardo Saverin. And, um, Eduardo and I started negotiating for me and a friend to invest in Facebook uh, at a million dollar valuation. (laughs) And uh, we went back and forth for like three months and I had the email and it said, hey, Mark's gonna launch 32 more schools in two weeks. We're just not ready to take any investment at this point. I know we've been having great conversation. If you're ever in Boston, let me know. And I was like, damn, I could have thrown some good parties. (laughs) Um, And about a year later, or a year or two, Peter Thiel invested. And I remember, I think that was at a 10 or $20 million valuation. And I thought, I could have made a million dollars. Um, and then it just kept getting higher and higher. Have you and done I, the
2: math, by and the way? I was,
1: it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> life worked out. I'm okay. Uh, no one needs that much anyway. Um, but what ended up happening was missing that made me curious about the space and made me curious about innovation. And as I started to get more in the music industry, I realized... Our industry was started by technology by Tesla and radio and giving a platform and Innovation has happened over and over in our industry, so I started to want to invest in the space um, and I started doing so probably about twelve years ago and um, and that 's how it kind of began and i I was very intrigued with meeting people who were much smarter than myself
0: okay that 's a perfect setup because you guys I understand met as friends initially and then decided you want to go into business together. How did you guys meet and how did you guys decide to actually formalize your efforts and raise such a large fund?
2: Yeah, so we met through um, a dear mutual friend named Andrew Marks, and um, who's our third partner in TQ Ventures. And um, And I think we came together and had this idea that Um, Venture was appealing for a number of reasons. There's great persistence of returns. You know, it defines the future. You meet the most interesting people in the world. And I think the union of, you know, a special sizzle for founders on a cap table, whether those are B2C connections through Scooter or B2B connections that Andrew and I brought to bear, um, that was a great union. And then I think in general in VC, um, you know, there's a lot of um, over-consistency in the way that people look at deals. And so Andrew and I had neither worked at VC firms prior, so we brought sort of a different flavor to it and we really relied on common sense. And in the beginning, you know, we started with no assets, we had no deals, so we didn't really have the option of piggybacking off of all the fancy firms. So we started de novo from a first principles perspective and tried to make the best decisions on the margin, whether that was a seed deal or a series E deal, and regardless of what space it was. And then we took a really humble approach. And every time we had a failure since we started four years ago, and every time we had a success, we wheeled it in to the investment laboratory and dissected it. And I think that that's something that's made a huge difference for us and uh, and is kind of one of our hormones.
0: I wanna double click on that mindset because, Scooter, there's no debating that your experience to find talent is, almost unmatched, your ability to help nourish and support them is also in a great place and scaling. So if you think about finding, supporting and scaling, maybe you could talk a little bit about how your philosophy how your philosophy works in that respect because that's really what it's about in the venture business as well.
1: Um, first of all, say, thanks for saying those nice things. I would debate them. Uh- <laughs> But I, I would say, also to help you understand how this came about, it was started as three friends, they knew I was doing investing, they were investing, and they said, hey, let's just do a first fund, of our own capital, let's invest in some things together for fun, see how it goes. And the success of that first fund just with our own capital was remarkable. And they said, look, we should now do one where we bring in outside money, and I have a real prom asking people for money. I've always just kind of put in my own and I realized um, it needed to go to another level and these guys, they had the capabilities to do so and and kind of we rolled into the success. It wasn't something that was planned. It was kind of three friends trying something and then it started to really work because we realized our skills complemented each other. As far as the philosophy goes, it comes from our skills complementing each other. We're all very different. Um, we trust each other. Um, you know, I come from a place of... When I speak to an entrepreneur, I can understand what they're experiencing. Because, you know, when you're successful, everyone thinks you have this machine behind you. But all of us start from this place of, you know, late night in your underwear with a laptop in front of you, you know, grinding it out. And everyone in your life thinks that you've lost your mind because you're walking away from something that's conservative that can work. And you have an education or lack of in my point because I dropped out. Um, But I was a dreamer. And when I'm talking to other entrepreneurs, I like to have that conversation of how big do you dream? And are you willing to be there in the grind when it's time for a pivot? And a lot of entrepreneurs want to have that safety because none of us want to talk to someone who just looks at us as a term sheet. And because we're going to have those moments where everyone thinks we're killing it. And the truth is we're scared. We're at home, we're alone. And we're thinking, am I going to deliver on this dream that I believe in so much but I just don't know if I'm gonna get over that hump. And to be able to call someone who's an investor and who's been there and can say, yes, I've been scared too. And success and failure live right next door to each other and you gotta keep pushing through is something that I'm able to bring because I've been that scared person before and probably still have those moments from time to time all the time.
0: Is it similar to creators, uh, to creatives? In other words, is the coaching that you give to a founder analogous in many ways to the coaching you might give to a a, a superstar?
1: Um, yes, and it depends on the scenario. But I think at the end of the day, anyone who's trying to achieve something that no one's ever done before has those fears and those insecurities, but has to project extreme confidence. And to be a voice where they can have those insecurities, to be a voice where you can tell them how vulnerable you are so they can be vulnerable with you, I think is very, very important and something that we want to bring. I think um, someone from my world who went into this world a long time ago and worked with Andreessen was Michael Ovitz. And something that Michael Ovitz brought to those guys was this idea of treating founders the way he was treating talent and understanding that it is also a service business. And I think that that's what I come from. So when I'm talking to people and we're talking about investing in companies, we've had very interesting conversations with the founders where they're they're talking to us and they're saying, well, you know, can you help with engineers? And yes, we can. We have certain relationships. But a lot of times when I start the conversation and Schuster starts the conversation, we go straight to what's the chip on your shoulder? Where is this coming from? What is the thing that gives you this drive? Who are you? And um, because... I think people want to know when it comes to that moment when you have to choose, I'm going to step away from my friends, I'm going to step away from my family. They got to care about you enough to do that. Yeah. And um, and I think we want to create a scenario where we're those type of investors. While I have have two partners with amazing business acumen who, like I said, I'd like to surround myself with people who have better skills than myself. And Andrew and Schuster meet that criteria.
0: It's great. Well, I mean, in talking to both of you, it's clear that you have very similar value systems. And one of the things that uh, Schuster, you talked about is just the importance of humility in this game of venture capital. Um, and it's not always the case. Um, but tell me about your philosophy around that and how you actually coach some of your entrepreneurs to have that humility that also has to be paired with aggression and confidence and all the things that it takes to build a great company.
2: Yeah, I think, I think humility starts with uh, caring, caring about your craft, caring about the people that you're working with. So I probably wouldn't take a call with somebody whose business I didn't think was really interesting, going to change the world, going to work, a founder whose story didn't resonate with me, personality resonate with me, who I could have a lot of fun with. And a lot of the times when we meet new founders, one of my favorite questions is, you know, let's say the, the founder's name is Melanie. Melanie, what was good about growing up as Melanie and what was challenging about growing up as Melanie? I want to get to know you, because understanding your early childhood psychology could be a crystal ball into the future. And then the other thing I like to do is I like to move the relationship into um, texting emojis as soon as possible, because the relationship he is doesn't... He's not kidding. He really loves emojis. It doesn't really exist until there's emojis. But look, I think, I think humility... His meme game is lacking lacking meme game <laughs> um, humility, I think is is some, you know this is an industry that 's beautiful in so many ways, but I think humility is one of the challenges of this industry because you have a lot of people who are trying to look good for their boss or trying to build their Twitter profile, and if they have a failure, they brush it under the rug, and it 's really important to be present even if you 're not saying much and Some people have great Twitter accounts, obviously, so i 'm not knocking on Twitter, but I think that um, for us we had the, the quote-unquote fortune of not having a formal embrace by the community and formal training. So we had to learn everything as we went. And so every mistake was a cheap tuition. Every success was a, was a point of curiosity. And I think that you know, people are smart in this day and age. And you know, if you say the wrong things to founders, that's a problem. But if you say the right things to founders, then they're going to test you out to see if you're authentic or not. And so um, I think that self-study, self-improvement, humility, curiosity about other people, those are things that have been helpful for us. It, it's really great to hear. I mean,
0: you guys have had eight, no, sorry, you've had 11 unicorns in four years. Um, so something that you're doing is, is working. Um, how have you used some of your own experiences and your own trials and tribulations, tri- tribulations to kind of share some of that vulnerability with your teams um, to, to hopefully allow them to avoid some of the, the challenges that we all may have learned as part of our entrepreneurial
2: journey? I mean, I think that um, a success is built on um, a, a nearly infinite number of slivers of failures, basically. And so, you know, when I look at some of our investments, you know, we came in sub $100 million in row, which is a monster in, in the digital health space. They just announced their last round at $7 billion a couple weeks ago and we led the prior round at $5 billion with, you know, an, an almost $120 million check, which was the biggest check that we had done by 5X before that. And it, developing a super deep relationship with the founder has been one of the gifts of my career. And it, it's the little stuff, that's the good stuff, you know? What's going on in your life? You got a new dog, let's talk about it, I can't wait to meet him. And then it's, it's the big but what about the struggles?
0: I guess I really wanna get at the struggles, cause you know this is hard, yeah. there are a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience. Um, we all go through hard times, uh, and being able to share those with entrepreneurs sometimes makes all the difference, and just in talking to you, you guys, they, I, feel, I feel Hard that. times,
1: last two years? Yeah. No, I thought it had just been a breeze last two years. Right. Um, Look, I think when I talk to someone, my philosophy on speaking about hard times has changed a lot because of the last two years. Um, I think before, my philosophy was based on control and understanding how to navigate and manifest. And and I think that's really important for an entrepreneur in the beginning of their journey, uh, to have that conviction and to manifest and to push through the really hard times, to to have that what I call the burn the ships mentality. However, as I've grown up and matured and continue to do the work, as we all just continue on our journey to do our work, um, I realize that probably if you're in this room, at least 90% of you statistically, what's happened to you in your lives has been statistically impossible, if it was predicted from day one. So to think that it was because of us that we are in this position is ridiculous. Um, and I think when entrepreneurs are going through really hard times, it's also reminding them that you're lucky to be in this position, that you need to keep pushing through, but you need to put a little bit more trust in the universe that this is going to happen, that you believed it, that you got here, you've come this far, you do not give up now. And something could present itself that you haven't manifested, that you haven't brought to the table, but it's going to present itself, and you need to keep pushing through, and you need to see what brings, because personally for me, I think everything is a gift. Even the failures haven't been endings, they've been pit stops. You know where you learn something and you continue on.
0: What's your so, daily practice look like now?
1: I, what? You? What's your daily practice look like now? Yeah, it's going to get weird. We're supposed to talk That's about VC right, like, investing. I want to talk about meditation. Everything else is talking
0: about deals, and let's mix it up a little bit. What is your? How do you get yourself in the right mindset? Me or you? Do what you do.
1: Uh, <laughs> now, I saw my friend Matt Mazio out there somewhere, and I was just like, "That's over here somewhere." He's going to laugh at me as I say this. Um, I meditate daily. Um, for me, I think having a daily ritual is very, very important um, to create a certain mindset. Um, and I like to start my day that way. Um, I got to say, I love you to each one of my kids at least once a day. Um, but I, I also have a crazy life because while I do this, I'm also managing musicians and and different things, but um, I definitely, what has changed for me in the last two years is I, I implement a lot more self-care into my day, and I'm learning to be more present than I think I've ever been. I think each one of us comes up, what he talked about his early childhood, the human experience, we all have early childhood trauma, no matter who you are. Um, if some of you hear me talking this way, yes, I did go to Hoffman process. Um, so, that's, so if some of you hear me speaking this language, you might understand it if you actually did that process. Um, but I truly, truly believe in that kind of stuff and I believe that what I was doing for the first many years of my life was based on patterns that I received where I was building for tomorrow because I was afraid of tomorrow. I was constantly, especially an immigrant refugee's son, I was constantly building for a day where they were going to come and take it away and I didn't even know who they were. But as I've gotten older and certain things have happened, and I've learned to do different meditation and certain practices, I'm now understanding that right now can break also. And I have to be present to this moment and also be appreciative of this moment. And that's a lot of the conversations I'm having with entrepreneurs. You know, Helping them get through those tough times when they're breaking and they're building for something that hasn't happened yet and reminding them that the story is in their head. You know, There's a great book, Untethered Soul, that talks about this idea of a roommate in your head. And we all have it, but what it talks about is this idea that to have a conversation in your head, there has to be a listener. Your soul is the listener. The roommate is the human experience. And I talk to entrepreneurs about those kind of things constantly, and myself. If I could just add to that, um, twenty twenty. I also sent him emojis.
2: Exactly. Um, Meditation is high on my uh, 2022 to-do list. But one thing I wanted to add, I, I don't think anybody would be that interested in my daily routine. It's pretty basic. But I think one of the things that, that I really strive for on a daily basis is um, being intellectually supple and dreaming bigger. And so when we first started, you know, scooters Rolodex in the consumer world, it's just it's not only not matched by anybody else, but it's almost as if other ones combined still don't match it. And that was fascinating, and we played with that, and we made some really interesting investments in the consumer products space. And we had a few of them sell. We had great outcomes. And instead of saying, wait a second, we're dialed into a strategy now, and it works, uh, and we should just keep doing it blindly, you know, we read far and wide, we listened, we thought, we went on walks, and we dared to dream bigger, and we developed a very strong framework at TQ, which is, incredibly simple. And so we prize things that are capital efficient businesses, you know, unbounded on the terminal side, have great business profiles at scale, margin profiles, businesses that get better as they get bigger. And so as challenging as it was to say, you know what, if we invest in this drink company, we can just, you know, layer in this and that terms and these connections and all of a sudden, you know, we'll have a decent return we started turning our attention to the businesses that would define our future in the biggest ways. So businesses like spaces in non-crypto fintech, blockchain, um, healthcare IT, various parts of software, the metaverse. And I think that that's made things more fun. Um, Scooter's connections are still wildly relevant. Same with Andrew's. And hopefully I chip in once in a blue moon as well. But I think that Um, Part of the fun here is challenging success, pushing forward, remaining intellectually supple. And that's been the story with TQ. And now probably less than 20% of our portfolio is even in the consumer space. And when it is, it's in consumer social or consumer tech where we've analyzed the companies in what we think are much more sophisticated ways than when we first looked at those businesses. And I'm really excited to see how our thinking will evolve in the next four years. And it's going to rely a lot on intellectual suppleness and dreaming bigger
0: you know is it's it's great to hear you say that because it in, in many ways it's a bit of a pivot you guys did a bit of a pivot from what you started off doing you hear companies pivoting all the time but you don't hear about especially very successful investors pivoting but i think it's that suppleness that's the word that has allowed that can you talk a little bit more about that like what was the calculus that you did that said okay we started off thinking about doing more CPG businesses that might be able to be influencer-led, and you then expanded that
2: pretty dramatically into big tech and a lot of other things. Sure, I think it's I think it's you know trying to do right by yourself, by your investors, and by others. And so we ended up in certain businesses, and some of them failed. And we tried to do right by those founders and our co-investors, and some of them succeeded. And I think that um, you know, for me, one of the skills that I'm always trying to work on is, is just being an exquisite listener. And if somebody says something that I disagree with, there's a human instinct to push back and think, okay, well, let me construct the argument why this individual is wrong. And I think that this space is an extraordinary playing field for actually doing the opposite and saying, well, why might this person be right? And why is this person motivated to focus on this? And so you catch a drift of what might be interesting and, and you go with it. And I think one of the things that's, that's so amazing about starting a business with, with two friends, and I, you know, Scooter and Andrew are, are two of my absolute best friends, and that's, that's made this experience so much richer for us, is that you really trust each other. And you know, when one of us has a lark to move in this direction, you know, we get behind it. And, um, and, and that's been you know, part of our transition and our success.
1: I would just add curiosity. You know you you only get one one ride at least, uh, at least looking like this. Um, so for us, it was you know curiosity and, and where can we take it, and what entrepreneurs can we learn from in different sectors and to keep this interesting for ourselves. And I also want to be honest about that. That liberty comes with success. You know, we're in a position where I've had success in other businesses, these guys have had success in other businesses, so we have the privilege of being able to go out and be curious in other businesses. You know, I think if it was earlier in my career, I really had to stick to one thing, because I didn't have anything else to fall back on. Um, and we have, the, you know, we have that privilege, to be honest, and I think we have to admit that we have that privilege, and then we have to go explore, you know, the opportunity of that privilege, and that's what we've been able to do with our curiosity.
2: But I think, you know, just a last thing to add, <clears throat> as much as things change over time and, 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 and we welcome that and we actually proactively pursue it, some things stay the same. And so we had an intuition before we even started that, you know, founders are the rulers of this kingdom and we serve at their pleasure. And we love our founders and we get personally invested in them, we get personally invested in their companies. And so we don't really serve on boards or lead rounds generally, but then founders will tell the board members hey you know that's great we just had a board meeting but i want to consult you know the guys at tq and it's not in you know a leapfrog way or anything like that it's just these are people that i trust and i want to be part of the conversation and so that kind of behavior and that reputation begets much more deal flow i hate to even say it like that cuz the relationships are so personal that we don't view it as deal flow right it's more going on journeys with these people it's a great
0: point i you know I guess I would be remiss if I didn't ask the question about, what are some of the non-obvious things that you guys look for in founders? And maybe I'll start with you, Scooter,
1: because... Non-obvious? Yeah. Other than their emoji game? Yeah. Um, I I mean, everyone in this room seems to do this kind of job, whether it be investing or building, so I don't know if there's anything that's non-obvious. What I can say is what we look for. Uh, which is conviction. I'm not looking personally, I don't look for the person who has the great idea that's going to win no matter what. I look for the person and the conversation of the of someone who's not going to give in no matter what. You know, I don't want someone to look me in the eye and say, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I've started 40 companies. That means you've walked away maybe 39 times. Um, you want someone who is gonna find a way to pivot, who's gonna find a way to believe, who, who Treats these investments by others better than they treat their own money because they deeply deeply care and i think um, I think that 's what I look for. I look for someone with conviction and passion about what they 're doing and a, and a strong belief
2: let me put a little more meat on those bones from from my
1: side Thank you schuster
2: um, so i think, I think that there have been a few non obvious observations that have cropped up. And the nice thing is I had an open mind because I didn't really know what I was looking for. Um, So that was convenient. I think, you know, to rattle some of them off, I think that um, speed is absolutely critical. So you have a very short window to get things done with the limited capital that you get. So speed of execution is absolutely critical. Um, I think focus is, you know, top of the list. You know, you'll meet people who are, have their hands in 10 different cookie jars. You know, I like somebody who's mission-driven and really focused on what they're doing. Um, storytelling is absolutely critical. If you can't tell an amazing story, you can't raise money and you'll die. And if you can't tell a great story, you can't recruit top talent. And if your idea is worth anything, then you want to recruit top talent to execute it. That's very well said. I want to
0: thank you both for joining us. It really it's really good. It board. says
1: 17 and it blinks. Just so you guys know, it blinks as you end.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys.